0: (laughs) cult dad. Well, I'll say this. The state of the U.S., you might not be wrong, but I will have to put a little cherry on top of that statement by saying you might be the only Brit that thinks you guys are doing well enough to claim that it would be better if others were colonies under your control still. Seems like you're kind of full... Knee deep in shit right now. Welcome to the rest of the world. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm really zoomed in right now. Why am I... It's the book club. That's why I'm all zoomed in. Let's zoom back out. (laughs) Welcome! It's Independence Day! I don't... I don't know what that was. Sorry. (laughs) Let me formally apologize. Uh, Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It's July 4th, if you're in the U.S., it's Independence Day, where we uh, fought off the Brits because of the price of tea, and no other reason. (laughs) It's not true. (laughs) But that's what people say, damn it! That's what people say. Welcome to the Ninth Circle, Ashworth. It's good to see you. William, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining live. Gary, what's up? What is happening? Scott, thanks for joining. Uh, Mike... Cult Dad, I appreciate you tuning in. I really do. He's busting some balls. Uh, Zachary, how you doing? Lexi, what's up, hon? Um, Lazarus. for for another show. James. James. James, James, James. International Man of Mystery? Possibly. If you've seen this guy, <laughs> he has a cocktailian... In this lovely dress, serving him drinks during the book club. All groomed up. I have to wonder if there is not a secret lair in this guy's place. There must be a secret, like a lever that you, like a book that you lean out a little bit. And like a a passageway opens up and he is able to descend into some black cat-like ritual space. Like if if you if you're in the book club, you know what I'm talking about. Something is happening with this human being. International man of mystery is what I say. That's what I believe. <laughs> thanks for joining live, man. What's up, Ow? Ayo? ayo. How you doing, Mark? Uh, Jordan, thanks for joining. Christopher, how you doing? And anyone else? Still in construction. <laughs> nice all right i do have a great show for you in the devil's advocate offering soul is not a supreme sacrifice that's not my phrasing i would have phrased it differently that's the doctor's phrasing from his letters from the devil article and it is the last entry in the collection that underworld amusements released again i would have added your or a or something to sort of fill that statement out that sentence out but whatever that was his his gig let him do what he wants (laughs) in the infernal informant i got sort of like a back-to-back because i read this first article and i thought huh i want to know more and then i read the second article or i I did a little you know digging i was like huh other people should know about this because i know these people (laughs) you may think i'm just gonna shit on them and you would be right but you also kind of got to tip the cat. So we're going to get into some of that here in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, like, Infernal Informant, it's, uh... I just passed it. 11 heavily armored men on the way to Maine arrested after standoff with Massachusetts police on I-95. And then following that up with Sovereign Citizens Movement. They're connected. All right, and we're going to close it out with, uh... I don't assume anyone is as geeky as I am... Um, I like board games, I like Star Wars cartoons, like, I have interests other than Satan and nude Altars. I know this comes as a shock, but I do. And I'm going to give you one of them, a board game that my wife and I just played for the first time, I think, like, two weeks ago, maybe it was last week, and it was surprisingly fun, so we're going to talk about it. It is super geeky, though, Um, in its framing. It's a, it's a geek frame with a normal baseline premise. You strip away the geek outer layer, and it's just like a basic, you know, strategy game. But it's fun. I think you guys will like it. And even if you don't, I don't care, because I'm still going to talk about it. Just don't tune in. Shut me off. I don't care. It's the fourth. Go have a barbecue, man. <laughs> Whatever you guys do. I'm going to sit here with my Wild Turkey 101 rye. Suck it. Silently a delicious rye. I never would have thought wild turkey, and I don't know why. I have no preconceived notion or or previous experience with wild turkey. Every time I go to wild turkey, I am always surprised at how good it is. For the, the price that you're paying, you're getting a superior product on the shelf in comparative price lines. And I've gone to different liquor stores and different options. I've tried so many different bourbons and ryes at this point that it's ridiculous. Wild Turkey delivers every single time. And it's a budget whiskey. Just saying. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) All right. um, Book Club. Let's talk a little bit about Book Club. Uh, For those of you who don't know what a book club is, it's an excuse for people to get together, talk about a book that they read, and drink. That's what a book club is. Um, We are talking about the book, We Are Satanists, by Blanche Barton. We just talked about chapter three today. Next week, we're going to talk about chapter four. Uh, And for all of you, I will say this, who have said that you want to join the book club, I have invited you every week, and you have not shown up. I would say, why did you even show interest in the first place? You knew what time it was going to be. You knew what we're going to be doing if you can't read a chapter a week you shouldn't be buying books because everyone else in the book club is like chapters into this thing if not nearly finished with it and we have to reread the chapter that we're talking about that week (laughs) that's that's how far everyone else is going so when you think about a book club it shouldn't be homework it should be that you're already a reader and you're already enjoying reading And you just kind of want to talk with other people who enjoy reading. That's what it's about. So if you want to join in, you're more than welcome, but don't pretend because that just makes me look at you like you're embarrassed to look at yourself because you're not really interested. That's all I'm going to say on the subject. For those of you who would like to join, you're more than welcome. Again, we're taking it chapter by chapter every week. Read however much you want, but we're going to go back and talk about the individual chapter per week. And um, chapter four is next week, and it's a good one. It's the formation of the Church of Satan. It's really talking about um, the, the the rise of dramatic public performances that the doctor um, presented, and then his immediate cutoff, and the repercussions, and the, the fallout in the media, and with individuals in the COS themselves. So it's an interesting chapter to cover, and... Uh, you know, for those of you interested, info at reverendcampbell.com is, uh, shoot me in, uh, your email and I'll add it to the list and then you can join us and it'll be fun. And you can, you can see the people I'm talking about when I talk about them at the top of the show. It's always a lot of fun. Okay. Let's just dive into the show because we've got stuff to do. We've got celebrations to be had. I've got a barbecue waiting for me to cook on. So, uh, without further ado, let's dive in. Devil's out, Thank you. And I've got an image, of course. Because how can you talk about something if you're not looking at something, (laughs) right? All right. This is a great article. So Letters from the Devil is a collection of the Letters uh, from the Devil article that the doctor wrote back in the day. Uh, Underworld amusements packaged, I assume all of them, or... Alternatively, all the ones they could get their hands on. And added it, you know, put it all together into this nice little thin book that actually has the original ads in it as well and stuff. So you get this really sort of time travel feel when you open it up and start reading it. I have to use glasses because the print is newsprint. Um, But this article is great. Offering soul is not a supreme sacrifice. So Carolyn S., from Pueblo, Colorado, who is 17, wants to be uh, able to uh, practice black magic, wants to be thinner, wants to have longer hair, wants to have longer eyelashes, wants to be more sexually appealing. So she gets together with a friend, Carla, and has this ritual uh, where she is meant to speak to the devil, literally Satan. Her pronunciation or her spelling is is way off, so it's satin that she's (laughs) meeting with, But we assume she's talking about Satan. And uh, so she (laughs) sat is uh, uh, created in her friend Carla, who tells uh, Loki, which is supposed to be Loki, who is sort of uh, possessing her body, Carolyn's body, uh, saying that you are not ready yet. But be patient and the dark arts will appear or uh, you will you will gain the ability uh, in time. Well, Carolyn S. is tired of waiting. And so she reaches out, writes a letter to Anton LaVey, the high priest of the newly formed Church of Satan, for help. Saying, look, I'm tired of waiting. Here's what I've done already. I'm willing to make a pact, all right? I want the powers of the devil, (laughs) of satin. (laughs) I am Loki, Loki personified, personified, because, again, she misspelled Loki, too, um... But she's saying how much she, you know, adores the darkness and evil and wants to practice black magic and have those physical benefits. She cannot see herself living if she cannot look the way she wants. So it's, it's sort of at that point where she's saying in the, at the end of this letter, I will kill myself if you do not give me the power that I demand. And in return, I will give you not only my soul... But the soul of any children that I have henceforth, forthwith from here until eternity. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but that's literally what she's saying, Uh, which I think is really. (laughs) It's shocking that there are people who would sell their unborn children's souls for their physical appearance of longer hair, which actually naturally grows. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and, like, she wanted inch-long eye br- eyelashes. Like, inch-long. Okay. So you can imagine the doctor's response here. We can just sort of wait for the drum roll. Because it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's just sort of building from a... Like, you can barely perceive the drums into this pounding crescendo of you are a dumbass. <laughs> but this is what he says. He's like, uh, what you have to offer me is as sound as J. Wellington Wimpy's promise of mowing your lawn next Tuesday for a hamburger today. That's a Popeye reference for those of you who are too young to understand what Popeye is. Popeye is a cartoon that was initially a comic strip in newspapers about a sailor who ate spinach and got really strong. A post-world era when they made too much spinach as a country and then had to offload it to the population. Uh, because the war didn't last as long as they expected or they just simply had too much of a spinach backlog. And so they made a cartoon out about a guy eating spinach and he got stronger than he could defend his Waspy girlfriend and her sexual assaulter slash kidnapper and some rando guy who really loved hamburgers and could never afford them. Strange premise, but it was actually really popular. <laughs> they made cartoons out of it, they made a movie out of it. Okay. That's all I'll say about Popeye. Olive oil, So he's like If you have to resort to these types of tactics to attain something as simple as what you're actually asking for, you have no potential to be a witch. Here's two lessons. I'm just going to lay them out for you, he says to her. Pick them up or put them down. This is what I have to give you. Lesson number one. (laughs) Never ask the powers of darkness to bestow that which you are capable of attaining without their assistance. First of all, don't rely on middlemen between you and the dark forces of nature inherent in this planet. She's going through her friend Carla in order to speak and be granted power from Saturn, as she spells him, instead of going directly to the source. But second, if if what you're actually asking for is something that you can actually get on your own, why are you... Why are you going through someone else? Why are you waiting? Why are you asking me? It doesn't make any sense, right? So lesson number two, if standing on your own merits, you must objectively know your own resources, i.e. as a witch, you should understand that if you want your hair a little bit longer, but for some reason you just can't grow it longer, a wig is a solid option. If your eyelashes are not an inch long, there are extensions. If your waist is a little too round for your own pleasure, there are girdles. You need to look to solutions. And here, you know, underlying all of this, you could just go on a diet, exercise, take supplements. There are other ways of getting what you want besides um, faking it. But she doesn't even do the faking it part, let alone the work to actually achieve what she's looking for. She wants none of it. So he says, look, don't propose. uh, First of all, you can do this all yourself. There's no reason for you to sell your soul. Second of all, your soul isn't worth selling if you're not even willing to put in the effort to get what you want in life. And then uh, he says, don't propose deals using things that don't even belong to you. She's offering her unborn child's children's souls to get hair extensions and eyelash extensions. What kind of a brainless idiot is asking for the powers of darkness? Can you imagine if Saturn gave every idiot the ultimate power of the universe for their soul and they can't even do the basics of dressing themselves or preparing themselves? What kind of ridiculous universe would we live in? It would be the worst. And why would Saturn want your soul if you're not willing to put in the effort? You're not worth this. You're not even worth his time to hear about your problems. You gotta put in the effort, witches. All right. So he says, think seriously about what you have to offer you may want it later on. There may be something, maybe you want your child to have free will, but you already sold its soul for longer eyelashes. (laughs) Idiot. Uh, So you need to believe in yourself and shun self-deceit. Own the assets that you have. Maybe sex is not an aspect that you can sell as an individual. There's always sentiment and wonder. You can, you can explore those different avenues in order to sell yourself. He doesn't bring that into it. But he does promote his uh, The Complete Witch or What to Do When Virtue Fails book that was recently released uh, to this young lady saying, look, you need to you pick this up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do you a lot of good if you, if you read this. And then he closes it with, look, Satan hates quitters. If you're not willing to put in the effort on your own before you even come to the altar, you will never be offered a contract to sell your soul and again all of this is tongue-in-cheek because <laughs> Levey never believed in this anthropomorphic spiritual satan in order to sell your soul too but the concept the premise behind it other people do and so he's speaking to that and the absurdity of that that's what i love about this collection is that you get this really beautiful perspective of satanism from the man who created it with years of experience talking about magic circles with with varying uh, perspectives on magic and witchcraft and the occult and sex and uh, uh, industry and experience, varied life experiences come together to this one wonderful Friday you know night experience. And that's where he's gathering all of his information from. From professionals in the field, from people who have lived, these debauched lives uh experienced everything there's to experience and he's no slouch in that department either so it's very very fantastic to get this sort of distilled essence of satanism from a newspaper column (laughs) like you never expect it but it's beautiful because it's right there and you can actually pick this up today. Like it's available. And there's tons and tons of really wonderful gems of Satanism in it. So I, I highly recommend it. This is just one of them. I thought it was great. We talked about selling your soul, you know, sort of tongue in cheek the other week. And I thought this would be a nice little cap off to that conversation. Because it's touching on a lot of the same points that we touched on. It's not You're not worth it if you can't put in the effort. Like Satan only, he's, he's discriminating. He has taste. He only wants the finest, (laughs) the finest souls, not the trashy 17 year old. Who's a little bit too chubby for her own liking. Got to put in a little bit more work. (laughs) All right. So you're starting to think people have a low standard of the devil. I think so too, Mike. And that bothers me. That actually bothers me more than her brazenness of offering her own unborn child's soul. (laughs) Like, she she's so absurd that she would think the devil would want that type of a deal. It's crazy there are always limitless ways of doing things and options of problem solving and approaching the issues like she wants yeah you know you're right there's there's options you just have to work at it Stand which works study it apply it. Lexi's putting the effort and it pays off It's true <laughs> it works it wouldn't it wouldn't persist this long as a a, a continually republished work if it wasn't interesting, compelling, and effective. And it is. Alright, let's uh let's do a little infernal format. I like Scotch. scotch, scotch, Scotch. Eleven heavily armed men on their way to Maine arrested after standoff with Massachusetts police on I-95. This is from bangerdailynews.com. That old trusted source. <laughs> Bangor Daily News. An hours-long standoff with a group of heavily armed men that partially shut down Interstate 95 ended Saturday with 11 suspects in custody, Massachusetts State Police said. Police initially reported nine suspects were taken into custody, but two more were taken into custody in their vehicle later Saturday morning. Two suspects were hospitalized, but police said it was for pre-existing conditions that had nothing to do with the standoff. Mass State Police uh, Colonel Christopher Mason said the suspects surrendered after police tactical teams used armored vehicles to tighten the perimeter around them. The standoff shut down a portion of I-95 for much of the morning, causing major traffic problems during the 4th of July holiday weekend. Authorities said the interstate is now reopened, and the shelter-in-place orders for Wakefield and Reading were lifted. In Massachusetts, Interstate 95 runs from the Rhode Island line around Boston and New Hampshire line. Wakefield is just east of where Interstate 95 and 93 meet north of Boston. The standoff began around 2 a.m. when police uh, noticed two cars pulled over on I-95 with hazardous lights on after they apparently ran out of fuel, authorities said at a Saturday press briefing. I want to put a pin in that. If you are a human being driving a vehicle and you don't know that that vehicle takes fuel and you're not paying attention to how much fuel you have and how much fuel you're going to need to get to the next stop, you're an idiot. There's no reason... No reason anyone should ever run out of fuel unless you're an idiot. That's it. It takes the minimal amount of preparation as a driver. Here's the preparation. Did you see it? I'm going to do it again in case you blinked and missed it. That's me looking at the fuel gauge that tells you how much fuel you have. So dumb. And these are people, we're going to get into in a sec, going up to join a, a, sovereign, a sovereign citizen movement militia. Yeah, these are free peoples. I don't believe in your crazy concept of fuel to power my vehicle. My sovereign citizenship will power it with the belief of freedom! <laughs> Fucking idiots. Fucking stupid. I don't think the pilots should be to blame there because they're not really the one. I feel like that's the, that's the ground team that should be on top of that. But you're right that they should be paying attention to, but it doesn't take effort to see how much fuel you have when you go on a trip and to know that, Hey, there's like six hours before we hit another uh, gas station. Maybe we should gas up at this last one right here. That's all you got to do. As some of the suspects were clad in military-style gear with long guns and pistols, Mason said, he added that they were headed to Maine for Rhode Island, uh, to Maine from Rhode Island for, air quotes, training. You can imagine 11 armed individuals standing with long guns slung at an interstate highway at 2 in the morning, certainly raising concerns and is not consistent with the firearm laws that we have in Massachusetts, Mason said. He said he understood the suspects who did not have firearm licenses, have a different perspective on the law. Quote, I appreciate their perspective, he said. I disagree with the perspective at the end of the day, but I recommend, I recognize that it's there. That's a nice way of saying these are idiots who don't understand the laws of the land and believe that they're above the laws of the land. It's cute, but they need to obey the laws of my land. The men refused to put down their weapons or comply with authorities' orders, claiming to be from a group, quote, that does not recognize our laws, before taking off into the wooded area, police said. Police and prosecutors are working to determine what charges the members of the group will face. The suspects were expected to appear in court in Woburn on Tuesday, Middlesex County District Attorney Marion Ryan said. Mason said "self the self-possessed professed leader of the group wanted it to be known that they're not anti-government. I think the investigation that follows from this interaction will provide us more insight into what their motivations, uh, what their ideology is, Mason said. In a video posted to social media Saturday morning, a man who did not give his name, but said he was from a group called Rise of the Moors, broadcast from the Interstate 95 in Wakefield near Exit 57. Quote, "'We are not anti-government, we are not anti-police, we are not sovereign citizens, we're not black identity extremists,' said the man who appeared to be wearing a military-starred equipment, as specified multiple times to the police, that they were abiding by the peaceful journey laws of the United States. The website for the group says that they are Moorish Americans dedicated to educating new Moors and influencing our elders.' Could you have any other cues to cultish language than that? Uh, We are not everything that we claim to be as proven by our actions. (laughs) Like, you can't say you're anti-government and then not respect the laws of the government. Like, A plus B equals C. That's just, that's how it works. Uh, Mason said he had no knowledge of the group. But it was not unusual for the state police to encounter people who have sovereign citizen ideology. Although he did not know if people involved in the Wakefield standoff were part of that. So, whether or not the uh, rise of the Moors is sovereign citizen movement or not, they certainly hold some sovereign citizen ideas. And so I thought to myself, this is what I do when I think. Hmm. Do you guys do that too? Got it from the statue. Anyway, I thought to myself, I want to learn a little bit more about these sovereign citizen uh, ideas, the movement. And I already had a pretty solid idea because I watch a lot of conspiracy docs. Because though I enjoy conspiracies, I'm not an idiot. So I don't believe them all, but I do enjoy them. So I already have a base understanding of sovereign citizens. But I wanted to dig, dig a little bit more so I could speak to it clearly for all of you who may not understand what it is. So I went to the uh, um, uh, <laughs> sovereign—I'm <laughs> the worst—I'm sorry—to the Southern Poverty Law Center, blah, 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 to find out what they have to say on it. They track a lot of different cults and a lot of um, uh, anti-social movements and a lot of racist ideology. And you'll be surprised to find. <laughs> that the uh, sovereign citizens' movement comes out of old racist ideology. Right? But yeah. So, based on a decades-old conspiracy theory, at some point in history, sovereign citizens believe the American government set up the Founding Fathers with a legal system the sovereigns referred to as common law was secretly replaced by a new government system based on admiralty Law, the Law of the Sea, And the international commerce. I have a new image for this. These are a couple of the uh, powerful spokesmen of sovereign citizens. Hats aside. You got to respect the beard. (laughs) At least I'll give him that. Uh, (laughs) Under uh, Admiral. I'm the worst because I don't even know how to pronounce this properly. Admiralty law they are slaves and secret government forces have a vested interest in keeping them as slaves, they believe. Some sovereigns believe this perfidious change occurred during the Civil War, while others believe the events of 1933 when the US abandoned the gold standard, Either way, they stake their lives and livelihoods on the idea that judges around the country know all about this hidden government takeover, but are denying the sovereign's motions and filings out of treasonous loyalty to hidden and malevolent government forces. You can tell it's already a very rational philosophy. Since 1933, the US dollar has been backed not by gold, but by the full faith and credit of the US government. In fact, President Franklin D. Roosevelt ended private ownership of gold in large amounts in 1933. Governments could still sell gold for dollars in the U.S. Treasury for a fixed amount after that, until that practice was ended by President Richard Nixon in 1971. According to sovereign researchers, this means that the government has pledged its citizenry as collateral by selling their future earning capabilities to foreign investors, effectively enslaving all Americans. It's not going to come as any surprise to you that there's a couple faults in that logic. First and foremost, the idea of pledging citizens as collateral means that you must have the go-ahead of said citizens, and this existence of this, uh, conspiracy group alone proves that they don't have that agreement of the citizens. So then it wouldn't be worth the investors investing in, in the first place to steal their future earnings. And then the second part of that, that I'm just picking up on is if you're investing on the potential of future earnings, we have a whole stock market for that. It exists, they don't need you. Or you could see it as, you're already doing that by engaging in commerce and helping the stock market as someone who works for a living. So (laughs) there's just a couple, you know, thought experiments that you could do to sort of tear down these, these ideas. But why do that when you could just believe in a conspiracy instead? It's easier. They have their faith, like any religion. Um, the sale, they claim, takes place at birth. At birth, When a baby is born in the U.S., a birth certificate is issued. And the hospital usually, not always, but usually requires that the parents apply for a social security number at that time. So the sovereigns say that the government then uses that birth certificate to set up a kind of a corporate trust in the baby's name, a secret treasury account, which it funds with the amount ranging from 600,000 to 20 million, depending on particular variants of the sovereign belief system. By setting up this account, every newborn's rights are cleverly split between those held by the flesh and blood baby and the ones assigned to his or her corporate shell account what's the value of the corporate shell account if it's not tied to the human being that is creating the work the promise of future earnings their own logic doesn't have any logic it's crazy okay it gets worse the sovereigns believe the evidence for their theory is found on the birth certificate itself since most certificates use all capital letters to spell out a baby's name it's actually the name of the corporate shell entity, the capital name. Because we all know if you only use capitals, it's a corporate reference, not a natural born citizen reference. Fucking idiots. While the low, upper lowercase of the name is the real flesh and blood name. Here's the reality behind this system. We create a social security uh, number in order to track you as a citizen so that when you pay into social security, they can then give it back to you, assuming they don't steal it like Republicans are trying to do actively and most corporate Democrats as well, in stopping (laughs) the uh, social security system from being a thing that you can retire on. They're actually stealing money from the accounts that you're paying into. So there's not some corporate or foreign investor that's putting money into this secret account. You're doing it by working. There are taxes that you pay into this social security account so that when you retire, you can take that money you put in out. (laughs) That's how the system works. There's not some foreign investor giving you $20 million to your corporate name so that you can try to game the system and get control of that money and live free of the laws and without having to work, which is ultimately what these people want. Okay, so crazy? Not yet. (laughs) It gets worse. As the child grows older, most of the legal documents were utilized capital letters, which means that his state-issued driver's license, his marriage license, his car registration, his criminal court records, his cable TV bill, and correspondence from the IRS all will pertain to his corporate shell identity, not his real sovereign identity. The pro- which is funny because we're, our sovereign identities are the ones having to pay for everything. So if it was attributed to the corporate, why isn't the corporate identity paid for it? Why are we paying it for it? The process sovereigns have devised to split the straw men from flesh and blood man is called redemption. And its purpose is twofold. Once separated from the corporate shell, the newly freed man is now outside of the jurisdiction of all admiralty laws. More importantly, by filing a series of complex legal sounding documents, the sovereign can tap into that secret treasury account for his own purposes. This secret government entity that is controlling all human beings from either the Civil War or 1933 and on just has a legal loophole that you have been able to clue into, yet none of you have been able to actually expose. That sounds logical. (laughs) So fucking dumb, these people. Over the past 30 years, hundreds of sovereigns have attempted to perfect the uh, process by packaging and promoting different combinations of forms and paperwork. While no one has ever succeeded for the obvious reasons that these theories are not true, sovereigns are nonetheless convinced with the religious certainty of a true cult, believing that they're close. And it all will take, say the promoters of the redemption scam, is the right combination of words. Now, a reasonable estimate of the hardcore sovereign believers in the early 2011's would be around 100,000 with another 200,000 just starting out by testing sovereign techniques for resisting anything from speeding tickets to drug charges for an estimated total of 300,000. The weapon of choice of sovereign citizens is paper. A simple traffic violation or pet licensing case can end up provoking dozens of court filings containing hundreds of pages of pseudo-legal nonsense. For example, a sovereign was involved in 2010 in a protracted legal battle over having to pay a dog licensing fee. She filed 10 sovereign documents in court over a two-month period, and then declared victory when the harried prosecutor decided to drop the case. The battle was fought over a three-year dog license that, in Pinellas County, Florida, was where the sovereign lives, cost just twenty dollars—twenty bucks. And it's worth taking thousands of dollars in court fees that the rest of us have to pay so that the court is just overwhelmed and then you get your win. Congratulations, you're a dick. That's what that equals. It doesn't make you a sovereign citizen. It makes you a cheap piece of shit that you can't pay the $20 and you'd rather spend thousands of our dollars in court fees and time and energy, all so you can get your win. Well, congratulations, hats off to you, you sovereign douche. Tax cases are even worse. Sovereign filing in such legal battles can quickly exceed a 1,000 pages, while a normal criminal case docket might have 60 or 70 entries. Many involving sovereigns have as many as 1,200. The courts are struggling to keep up and judges prosecutors, and public defenders are being swamped. The size of the documents is an issue, but so is the nonsensical language the documents are written in. They have a kind of special sovereign code language that judges, lawyers, and other court staff simply can't understand, nor can most non-sovereigns. Sovereigns believe that if they can just find the right combination of words, punctuation, paper, ink, color, and timing, they can have anything they want freedom from taxes unlimited wealth and life without licenses fees or laws and they're all just a few strangely worded documents away it's the modern day equivalent of abracadabra (sighs) most new recruits to the sovereign citizens movement are people who have found themselves in desperate situations often due to the economy or foreclosures and are searching for a quick fix others are intrigued by the notion of easy money and living in a lawless life free from the unpleasant consequences. Many self-identified sovereigns today are black and apparently completely unaware of the racist origins of their ideology. When they experience some small success at using redemption techniques to to battle minor traffic offenses or local licensing issues, they're hooked. For many... It's a political issue. They don't like taxes, traffic laws, child support obligations, or banking practices. But they're too impatient to try to change what they dislike through traditional political means. So I wanted to come out here and and talk about this, not just to shit on them, because I think they deserve to be shit on, but the tenacity of these people. You kind of got to hand it to them. Look, if you can stick it to the man and you're willing to put the time and effort to stick it to the man, first of all, your time clearly isn't worth shit. But if that's all you got, then work with what you got, do your thing. I I gotta respect the tenacity of the people that will put in hours and hours of their time rather than just paying 20 bucks. For me, I see my time as valuable. And I see $20 as irrelevant in the scheme of my life. I would much rather pay a measly 20 bucks than spend hours and hours of my time because I make more than that (laughs) in an hour of my time. Now I can see if you don't make more than that and you don't value your time, then it's worth the fight and it's worth the effort. And you feel like you're getting something out of it because you didn't have to pay the 20 bucks. Okay, good on ya. I'm glad there's people like, out there, like you out there because it makes my life more fun when I see you scrambling around for a penny when I'm just throwing away the 20 bucks on the stupid fucking license that means nothing to me. We need worker bees like you. We need shit disturbers like you in this society because if we don't have them, who else are we gonna laugh at? So, jump monkey jump (laughs) Fucking these people they're doofy but they really should be a legal way to live and check out of the system entirely i actually agree with that zachary and there is there are islands that no country has any control over and if you don't want to be within a society and you don't want to be bound by that society's laws you can leave the society. You're not trapped here. We're not holding you hostage. You can leave. You can actually just go live in a mountain somewhere. And most people will never know you even exist. And you don't even have to worry about it. You can just live in nature. As long as you avoid people, then you're going to be okay. And you can live by whatever laws you want to create on your own. But these people don't want to do that. These people want to take advantage of of what society has to offer, the conveniences that that society offers and has built based on the taxes and these systems of laws and government, but they don't want to have to suffer through the injustices of the same system that is benefiting them that they want to remain within. They want to literally be leeches on the society without giving anything back. And I say, no. No, if you are gonna live in the society, you have to give an effort. If you're going to just leech off the society, that society has the right to cut the leech off. We should be able to execute you, literally, with a bullet. That's what I believe. Now, I think that might be too shocking for some people, But, in my opinion, if you do not contribute to the society that you are leeching off of, you are not worth a human citizen's life or time. You are a leech, and you should be treated like one, cut off, and discarded. We should cut you away like cancer, because you are a cancer. You're taking, 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 but not giving anything back. The point of a society is that you give and take. That's the point! You don't do that! You're just a psychic vampire. You're just a leech. You're not worth it. You're a nothing. You're not even a human anymore. You're a leech. Dehumanizing? Yeah, but it's because of a choice you made. Not a choice I made. You're the one making yourself that way. You're crying out to the world. I don't want to participate. I just want to take, take, take. And the rest of us have the right to say I don't think so. So, we either send them to an island or get rid of them. I don't care which. Take your pick. If you like human life and you think it has value, send them to the island. If you don't, eh, just get rid of them. I'm fine with that. I contribute to society, so I don't care. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. When the individual enacts their will against the desires of the public, they're called criminals. When the government enacts their will against the desires of the public, they're called laws. I think that's a, a... Massive oversimplification because it's the public that made the laws. (laughs) They elect the people into government. We like to think of government as this like entity that exists outside of our citizenry. But the government is composed of citizens that were either elected or appointed. And they were appointed if they weren't elected by those elected. So it's our fault if we're not liking the way the system is turning out. It's inaction, it is not voting, it is not contributing to the process that is the reason we end up in the situations that we find ourselves in. If people who claim to like certain ideas stood behind those ideas, we would be in a completely different place right now. But people don't. They don't wanna have to go out and vote, it's too hard. They don't wanna have to pay taxes because that's the government taking things from me but they're certainly willing to get government assistance when they need it. I understand that, Zachary. I, I was just using it as a jumping off point. Um, without society, there are no individuals. Without society, there are no individuals. I'm not sure I agree with that, but that's, a, that's an idea worth exploring. Not in the time I have left in today's show. But that's an interesting concept if we can unwrap it in a future show. Uh, Let's see here. Um, Ooh, wait, wait, wait. So they're trying to use a synthetic proxy to interface with government while maintaining individual sovereignty. Yeah, I'm not sure I followed all that. Uh, Like VPN for life. Yeah. You've dealt with the exact situation concerning pet licensing. It is infuriating. It's their goal. Frustrate you until you give up. Yeah, and if you want to, to fight laws, you actually can change laws. You can actually get rid of laws. It involves you talking to your lawmakers. But, but yeah, that's we, we've made the laws. We have. Overtly or inadvertently by our action or inaction. But we made them. We, we can't pretend like there's this separate existence that rules us. No, it, it's us, and we're just assholes, and that's why our government is full of assholes. That's that's, what, that's the best we got, or we're just not willing to put in the effort to get anyone better in there, assuming that there are better people, which I'm not so sure. Um, okay, so that's what I wanted to to bring about. Uh, I actually have friends who I, I met in the military. Um. After the military, they reached out to me about the whole gold standard as a sort of jumping in point to the sovereign citizen ideology. And I didn't bite, but they continually, every decade, reach out to me again, like, hey, how you doing? Let's talk. <laughs> I guess they're short on members or something. But no, I, it's, not, it's not worth my time. Like, I, I'm an individual. I have the freedoms that I need if there are freedoms that I don't have, like going out and murdering people, I'm okay to not have those. I have ritual, I don't I don't need to actively- There's a fly in my office. How did this sovereign citizen get into my office?! You son of a bitch. Okay, let's do a little creature feature, that's enough of this nonsense. Sovereign citizens. Ugh. It just goes to show how attractive an ideology is until you think about it. Fucking conspiracy theorist, man. All right, time for some geeky fun. I love me a board game. I also love the aesthetics of this board game when it came out because it's like this arcane magic, sort of that old school like D and D style of magic with like beakers with mists and like 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 uh, bat wings and burning sage and candles and shit. I love I love those aesthetics. Okay, so Mage Stones game. Uh, This was released by TSR in 1990. It's a game for 2-6 and people. Uh, It takes about 10 minutes per game, but it's a point-based game, so at the end of whoever runs out of gems, and I'll go over that in a second, they win, and then they use however many gems aren't played as their point total. So you're inclined to get rid of as many gems as possible, so whoever wins has as low amount of points as possible. And then you play to a set determined amount of points. You can either just say, we'll play to 10 or we'll play to 20, or the game actually gives you some other options as well, depending on how many people are playing. But, uh, very vaguely themed to the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Dragonlance campaign background, The board grid is 7 by 9, with columns numbering 3 to 9. Columns represent the planes of reality, and rows represent schools of magic. Now this is a a color issue, right? It's giving you this sort of gaming background, but it has zero effect on the gameplay at all, and you don't even need to know it. So if you don't know what any of that means, that's okay, because it's still a game that you can play and have fun with strategically without knowing any of that. Um, let's see, uh, the board wraps top to bottom, just think of it like a big circle when you're playing it, but not for the purposes of diagonal capture. So players roll two, I'm sorry, they roll three six-sided dies, but these six-sided dies only have the numbers one, two, and three on them, so it's referred to as 3D3, uh, and place their colored tokens in a space in the column matching the dice total, which are the numbers of the columns, as you can see them in that little image there. Um... The premise is, because everyone is going in turns, right? You want to surround the other player's gems, which banishes them. sense, Ostensibly, you just take them off the board, right? So in order to remove other player's gems as they're placing them, you find yourself randomly, by die roll, trying to line up on either side of them on the board so that you can then banish them and get rid of them thereby only leaving yours on the board and no one else's. It gets more challenging with more people, and that center line is referred to as the prime material plane. You can't banish those, so you always have a sort of home base to start with uh, to try to banish people. And just by the randomness of die rolls, the columns that are closest to that center column are more likely to be rolled. So, It's easier, if you've got a gem in that center column, to banish other people based on where they place theirs. But it's just a sort of strategy game in order to get other people's gems off the board so you can use them as your point total when the game is over. And it's that sort of like, Uno moment at the very end of the game where you have to say Raceland, which is a Dragonlance character, a magic user, um, at the very end when you only have one gem left to play. If you don't say that and you play it, you lose instead of win. But if you say it and play it, then the game is over. So that, again, Uno little reference. You have to call it out on the last play. Um, But there's a lot of stuff. like uh, It's built into the game. If people aren't paying attention and they surround you, but they don't take your gem off the board, the gem stays. And you can actually put the gem between... Two enemies' gems, and because those two exist already on the board, you're safe. They can't take you off the board. So, using different strategies to try to either place strategically your gems on the board or remove other people's gems, uh, it ends up being a pretty fun little game. Again, my wife and I played it for, I think we did like three or four different rounds before we got to the point total that we um, decided was the final. And we just had a blast. It was just a lot of fun. At the end, we were laughing and, uh, you know, I won. So I got a kiss and it was great. (laughs) But board games like this, I think, are a lot of fun because they're super simple. They don't take any real thinking unless you really want to put it into it. Um, But it's a way of you just the reason why I love board games is because it's a way for you to connect with the people that you're playing with. And in my case, it's family. You get to connect with family around just having fun, you know? And and there's always going to be someone that wins and there's always going to be someone that loses. And so it's a way of teaching life lessons of it's okay if you lose. Just just celebrate the person that won. You know, gamesmanship, sportsmanship is is a real thing. You have to appreciate it when other people win. Don't be a dick. And if you um, win, other people are going to treat you the same way. That's the sort of social... Um, uh, agreement that we have in society with sports games and with uh, board games as well, hopefully. Anyway, I had fun with it. And if you can get your hands on it, because again, it's kind of a rare game because it came out in 1990 and it hasn't been reprinted at all. Um, There are different other games that use the same mechanics. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff that you could find... um, online is like alternatives to it or you can just make up your own and you know gems are super cheap at any um uh craft store so you could just go buy a bunch of gems and then uh draw your own little board because it's kind of like tic-tac-toe like my wife when we were playing it she's like oh yeah this is just like tic-tac-toe i get it <laughs> like yeah it kind of is that's it because you can Dispel people uh, off the board or remove them from a board diagonally. They call it binding um, and dispelling. Or you can just do it horizontally or vertically. And uh, it's just good fun. And you can do more than one at once too. So I had a column of four of my gems stacked in a row. And my wife and she had a a gem at the top. And I was waiting to be able to place one at the top uh, to get her to, you know, get her gem off the board. She just happened to roll the right column number and took all four of my gems off in one big swoop, and then she won the game. Like a punk. I'm not sore about it at all. Damn it. But yeah, it's fun. It's good times. Play games with your family. It's a great, not only a team building exercise, but teach a little uh, good personality habits along the way. Little things that you would not know otherwise. And you can always tell when someone's a sore loser, they never played games with their family because you learn, you learn how to be a good human being. If you play like at least not a good human being, but at least a tolerable human being, if you've ever played board games as a kid, you know, and whether that's pen and paper role-playing games or uh, board games like this, or, you know, one of my favorites is Ticket to Ride Um, or I don't know any other types of like, you know, choose your own adventure games or whatever. As long as you're doing something where you have an opportunity of losing and then you realize that you need to you need to come to losing with a positive attitude and learn something from it, well then you're going to be a tolerable human. <laughs> if you learn that lesson, other people will be able to tolerate you at best. <laughs> if not, we'll just smack you and move on. It's it's that easy. All right, that's really all I want to talk about. We're at the hour anyway, and I got a barbecue waiting for me. And I'm sure you guys have plans tonight too. You gonna go watch explosions in the sky? I gotta tell you something. Um, I grew up enjoying fireworks, but as an adult, I I don't I don't give a fuck. They don't they mean nothing to me. I don't care if I ever see a firework again in my life. I have no interest at all. The only reason for the past twelve years that I've ever even given any care is because of my kids that's it and once they grow up i i'll I'll never watch another firework they're not interesting to me and they terrorize my dogs people don't take that into account animals are fucking terrified because it's the end of the world for them when there are bombs going off in the sky like think of it from the animals perspective we're literally terrorizing them (laughs) And we're just like, hey, fuck them. Let's just, let's watch another thing explode with colors. Uh, Think about how fucking dense of a human you have to be if your whole world is wrapped up in watching something burst into colors. That's your grand event? Watching colors explode in front of your eyes? Let me punch you in the nose and you can get the exact same thing right at your eyelid level. Talk about base of humanities. (laughs) stupid but go have fun (laughs) watch your fireworks celebrate your nationalism i i I love america too i just love it in different ways um (laughs) my ways of loving america are crying at american films like uh war films (laughs) (laughs) so you can make fun of me and you're totally fair You know, I'm going to make fun of you loving watching Colorful Explosions. You make fun of me hiding my open weeping from my family as we're watching The Patriot with Mel Gibson. It's a great (laughs) show. I really like Mel Gibson. I really do. He's a racist. But not everyone's a good person. (laughs) You can still like what they do. All right. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you for coming in the chat. I love the engagement. I love the interaction. You guys are the best. Until next week, hail Satan. Satan! Oh, Cold Dad Hero Quest was badass. I played the shit out of that game.